Hey, my name is Michael Rosso. This is the Film Photography Podcast, the internet radio show about film. I'm here in the studio with Leslie Lazenby. Hi, everyone. Mr. Mark Dalzell. Hey, how's it going? Mr. Joby. Hello. Also known as Joseph Brunges. John uh, Fideli. Lily, get up. <laughs> Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hey there. And my name is Michael Rosso. Uh, we're going to get right into it. Um, a film format that, you know, well, it has its fan club, no doubt about it. I'm one of the fans. Mark Dalzell is not. No, he is. He's a curmudgeon. Oh. 110? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. He's not a fan. He doesn't want to look at it. Mark. Oh, oh I love one. No, he. What is it? 110 one, film? 17? Okay. A lot of folks, if, if I post something on the FPP Facebook, there will be always like one hater. Right. Or like, oh, why waste your time? No crosstalk. <laughs> always get one hater who has to feel, they feel they have to post of how shitty a format is. And the right. fact of the matter is, it's not a shitty format. It's a small format. It's a grainy format. But if you have a, a, a decent camera, you can do pretty decent enlargements, especially if you're using the Pentax Auto 110 SLR. We're talking about 110 film. And this year at the FPP, we discovered the last batch of Fukatsu 110 film. Hi. Color 400, amazing, and black and white 100. And Mark O'Brien is going to talk about 110 film right now. Hey there. Well, what do you got? Years and years ago, I did shot a fair amount of one in one ten, and at some point, probably around two thousand nine, about the time that Fuji dropped uh, manufacturing of it, I sold off all my one ten stuff and uh, on the bay. And this year, I got a little bug. I was here back in January and and found a uh, Pentax Auto 110, and I go, you know, I never use one of these things. And I said to Mike, I said, hey, Mike, do you need this camera? He said, no, go shoot with it. So I took it home with me, and then I got some uh, Orca 110 from the FPP store. So I did some shooting with the 110. I really liked it because it's got such a – it handles like a, like a little 30, miniature little SLR. Um, it fits in the palm of your hand, and I shot a roll in town – and send it off to the darkroom for developing. Prints, I got prints back because you know what? The beauty of shooting a camera is you should have, of, of shooting film, is that you should have prints. Mm -hmm. And especially the 110, I wanted to see how those Orca prints would translate. And overall, I was pleased with it, except I found some little speckles in the, in the frame in a little square area in, in a good number of the, of the images. And I've tracked that down to it being where the little window is it indicates what frame you are on the back of the camera. Bless you, Mark O'Brien, for, for being resourceful, figuring out the problem without, like, blaming the film manufacturer or the lab. Right. Well, in this case, here, here. What, what, what the problem seems to be is the backing paper in the Orca film. Oh. Oh. So what I... <laughs> the, Stupid. The, um, the, the, the quick fix for that, though, is you don't really need to see the, the back of the, the, the frame counter because it's going to stop when it gets uh -huh. to each frame. Uh -huh. And when you're done, it, you're done, and it just keeps... You, know, you, you can you, take a peek if you need to. Do you to. think a disgruntled employee went to the back and paper rolls and like put pinholes in all <laughs> no, of No, no. It's, they're so, they're, they're, it's variable, and they're fine. So there's, I think there's just irregularities in the coating of the backing paper. Very, it's not like 
it's not like the stuff where you're shooting 120 and you see all the, the the frame numbers and all that stuff. It's just little speckles. Depends where the light's hitting it just right to get in there. So I I would suggest if you're using the Orca films, whether color or black and white, because I've also seen people having the same results with some of the color ones, is just put some black masking tape or black electrical tape over that. You don't really need to see that anyways, and just to avoid problems. Now, having said that, I haven't developed any of the, any of the Fukatsu stuff yet, so I don't know what I'm going to get from that, but hopefully it'll be good. Mm-hmm. It'll be incredible. Oh, good. Because what I was going to launch into here was this whole talk about, you know, yeah, it's a crappy format and all that. People, I've seen people make prints from Minox cameras using very fine-grained film that blew me away. I mean, of course, they weren't bigger, much bigger than 8x10, but that's still a huge enlargement for mm-hmm. something like that. And the, the truth with 110 is the finer-grained films are going to be at ISO 100, and you should be able to make reasonable enlargements from them. The problem with all that is, is that most, the bulk of all the 110 cameras produced, especially by Kodak, are crap when it comes to getting really sharp images from them. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. They're basically nothing more than fancy box cameras. So if you're going to go invest in using this 110 film, I suggest you try and get the best camera, best glass in front of that film that you can. Mm-hmm. And the way to go about that is pick from a few cameras that I, can re- that I will recommend to you that will give you good results. From my own experience and uh, also based on what I've seen from other people, number one on my list is the Pentax Auto 110. Mm-hmm. It's got a complete set of lenses to go with it. It's got a flash. It's got a power winder, though I've never used that. (laughs) Both marks at this table have that camera. It's a fantastic little camera. I have a couple of these now. I've got the complete set of lenses. Matt Mirage sent me his um, auto one. What's that? You have the zoom lens? No, I don't have the zoom lens. Okay, just checking. Okay, I don't have the zoom lens. Nobody has that zoom lens. You don't have it? No, I wish I did. That would be my primary... Um, camera for taking it around. Talk about that one. The other one is the Minolta Auto 110 Zoom. The pancake. The pan. Uh, or the okay. hamburger. I got I that the, one. I call it the hamburger. That too is a very good camera. It's got excellent glass in it. It's got a lot of nice features. You can took put, a lot of great photos with that in London. You, you can take. You can put all kinds of filters on the front. You can oh. put uh, close-up lenses. Ooh. You can attach an external flash and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So that. Two is a very good camera. I highly recommend that one. Why that is this number up, three? Number three. Well, I was going to recommend for sheer elegance and and uh, heft, but compactness. I mean, this is yeah, really tiny. It's crazy. Is the Raleigh Auto A110? It's like a Minox camera. It's got. It is. It looks a lot like a Minox. It's got a Tessar 2.8 lens on it, 23 millimeter, which just seems to be about 23, 24 the normal lens for. Whatever it takes. A good many of these little Raleigh's suffer from de- electrical problems. The film load's fine. I can advance the film to exposure one, and then I can't. It advances get the, the same way as a Minox camera. Yeah, yeah, it's the same way. Push. Pull. John, you seem actually interested. I am. It, and but it's a beautiful little camera, and eventually I'll get this thing to work right. What's really cool about this? All the things that you change or can adjust or open anything with have orange little oh, buttons that. on them. That's the whole nice. camera is beautiful That's black convenient. camera. 
And so if you want to open up the back, it's, it's it, you don't really need a manual for it. It what, takes a six volt battery. But do you set the uh, aperture and all that? Um, it's it's totally automatic. Oh. And but you you can't you can set you can set your your focus. And it's got you know from three point five feet to mountains. Feet. And you yeah. like the pitches that come out of there? I haven't gotten anything because I haven't been able to film oh, it. You like the yet. one photo you get out of yeah, every roll? We'll see. And I looked online. Other people are having similar problems getting them to work. So it, the other thing, it has this cool little clip-on flash cube holder. Oh, is that what that and is? And it goes on like so. Oh, for Magic Cube. For, mag, for, for Magic Cubes, that's right. Magic Cube. And it goes on the side. <laughs> uh, what's a cube? <laughs> I don't know, but it's huge. The two utes. Uh, uh, two what? Oh, oh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? <laughs> I'm definitely know what you guys are talking just about. Just rolling. Just rolling. Um, okay. There we go. What's a ute? We're just riffing. What's a ute? Pass that around. That's, that yeah, would be, if it worked, it would be a beautiful camera because those Tessar lenses and the glass in those are really good. So what I'm trying to say is... Get the best glass you can in front of that um, small piece of film that you're exposing. Minolta made pocket Minoltas. The Minolta 440E. There's a bunch of other ones out there Minolta made. They're also good ones to get. And if you want to go underwater... I like that camera. They have the Minolta Weathermatic A. I've shot that camera underwater. So have I. I shot it in Turks and Caicos. And it's Who? also very good. The two utes. Uh, uh, to what? So it's it's a it's a, it's a very rugged uh, underwater camera. So that's that's another good choice. I I certainly would not recommend if if you want good glass anything that says Kodak what? Hawkeye on it. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Come on, <laughs> those those are the box cameras. The the lenses for a lot, not all of them. But many of them, many of the little palmatics, Argus palmatic, all those little plastic things, <sighs> the little toy keychain things. Oh, yeah, don't, okay, okay, don't put okay. that crap on in front of the lens. Kodak six hundred eight, fine. Kodak Ectrolyte camera, terrific. Okay, no, we're not arguing. Yeah, yeah. everyone to know. Oh, oh, what was that word? Disagree with you there. You're talking, but I I really heavily push those because I shoot with them and I think they're great. Well, if you like them, that's great. Okay, <laughs> I just got. That's all that matters. I got a Kellogg's Corn Flakes 110. Is that a good one? No, no. I no. have a Velveeta cheese camera for real. 110. No, I do. Mm-hmm. Huh. I have a Malto like Meal promotional 110. Of course, there's uh, the ones that do flip not. up with I the swear I do. pop cans. The problem with a lot of these oh, shit. formats so is when they be, when they have premium Free cameras, market. I don't know. Is that you know the premium cameras are collectible and they didn't cost much to make and so they're going to be crap. But a good high-end Kodak is going to be better than the low-end Kodaks like the the, the Hawkeye, whatever they had. And I did shoot a bunch of that stuff back in the early 2000s. So I, it wasn't until I had the Minolta 110 that I was actually really happy yeah. with, with my images. There's a lot of... Really? The thing is, there's a lot of 110 film out there now that was not around 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you want a, a new format to explore, something you can slip in your pocket, take on a trip somewhere, um, convenient, easy to use... 110 is a fun format, and see what you get out of it. All the girls in position for the 25-yard free set. Can your camera stop all the action indoors or at night? Extralight can do. The Kodak Extralight 10 camera with built-in electronic flash. Take your marks! No fumbling, no attachments. 
The built-in electronic flash means you're always ready. Ready in a flash to stop all the action. Try it. The Ectrolyte 10 with built-in electronic flash. A can-do camera from Kodak. Oh, this is, by the way, Ethan. He's been the, just, just here. Yeah. Just, he just uh, walked in. Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> He's hey, like Kramer. Hey, this is just Ethan. <laughs> All right, pizza. Oh, boy. Uh, no, I, I got to go catch a bus. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, okay, great. Thanks for do, coming out. Do you know where you're time, going? Man. This is my leaving segment. Oh, okay, good. Hey, this is the sound hey, of Ethan you. leaving. See ya. Nice to meet you. He's going to walk out with your 11 by 14 camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for the camera dactyl. Yeah, you're very welcome. Enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you, Mark. Well, that's all I have to say about 110. I'll let you know when I get the Raleigh working because it's such a beautiful little camera. And what did yeah. you what did you shoot when you, back in the day, uh-huh. back in the day when you first started shooting some 110? What did you shoot with back then? Oh, uh, it was probably one of the Kodak little 110s or something like that, Pocket Instamatic. The Star you know? 110ers, one of those junky um, things. And then I did try out the Argus Mini Palmatic, which is the gold and wood grain camera that, you know, it's crappy okay sort of like you know the instamatics did the same thing right we talked about that earlier how the first cameras they came out with were really pretty good yep and of course kodak had that line of instamatics like the 500 which were made in germany yep and fantastic we saw the guy at obscura he had one he was shooting with one yes well it was 126 yeah it's only yeah. Say 126 but when they when they first came out with any of those cameras they tend to have some really good ones and over the years they devolved yes and uh to the point at the end they were crappy. Right. It's like us as humans. Well, <laughs> we start out strong. Turn yeah. to crap. Yeah. We get more plasticky. Yeah, more plasticky. Okay. Thank you, Mark. We'll be right back. When we come back, the doctor will be in. Oh, you hear those sirens? Here's Nancy Fleming for Denevi Camera Stores. See this Vivitar camera with the built-in flash? I took all these pictures with it. And by buying it Denevi, I saved $10 on the camera. Plus, I had great service saved money, and if I didn't like the camera, I could bring it back within 30 days. But I love it. My friends call it the Fleming Flasher. Vivitar calls it the 600. Frank DeNevi calls it a great camera buy. Oh, you hear those sirens? <laughs> Somebody must be down. <laughs> Someone's down. The doctor is in. Hi, everybody. The doctor's in. I titled this The Crappy Snappy Film. (laughs) I'm withholding names to protect the innocent. I'm a beginner with film photography. I've already begun to experience the same problem regularly. Can you help me out? I had an issue where the end of the roll of film, 35 millimeter, came out of the cartridge, (coughs) meaning I was unable to rewind it back into the cartridge at the end of the roll. Fortunately... Kind of chuckle at this. Fortunately, I realized the problem a split second after opening the camera. Well, boy. After opening the camera. Oh, well, you only lost the last couple of That's right. And managed to shut it again before any real damage was caused. A local independent photography shop used a small dark box thing, really not sure what I'd call it, to transfer the film into a separate roll, then send it off for printing. Only a handful of images were damaged, fortunately. Yep. I have had two successful roles since then. However, I'm experiencing the same problem. I don't want to make a habit of visiting the shop regularly, so I'm just wondering, is there any cheap methods of getting film back into the cartridge without taking it to a specialist shop? And also, what mistakes have I made 
which could have caused this problem. If it helps, my camera is Mamaya DLT-1000. Those of you who don't know, it's kind of a traditional, manual, older 35-millimeter camera. And it is two separate brands of film, which I have used. So I don't think I can really blame the errors onto the cartridges being faulty. Mm -hmm. So we have a smart little emergency room visitor. Okay, number one. This is user error. Number one. So on my list, literally number one, no violence. When you get to the end of the roll, when you're when you get when you shoot 35 millimeter, you often get a few additional frames at the end of your roll, such as 25 or 26 on a roll of 24 exposure film. And some photographers feel it's a challenge to see how many more you get. Mm -hmm. Personally, anything I feel anything after 24 is a crapshoot. Meaning, don't put anything important there if you don't want the full frame to come out. It see, be a partial. see, 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 see. If you do decide to go beyond the designated number of frames, go slow. When you advance to the next frame, fire, advance, and at the first sign of resistance, stop. Ow. Don't think you have to do that full stroke advance. What if you're and so close, it. though? I know the feeling. <laughs> that's okay. Push, push you, the rewind button. That's what happened to everyone. Uh, yeah, you push the rewind and you get that extra little click and then it cocks it. Oh, and then, so stupid. So you get like seven-eighths of a frame. I got this a roll that I, had, that I had to do JPF. that. JPF. No, really? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Signed who? I missed JPF. No, I've, yeah. no, but I've done that. I cock JP it halfway suits. through, and I know, I know it's at the very end. Yeah. Yes. You hit the button on the bottom of the camera, and you rewind your film. <laughs> Save and, it for the show. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Doc. If you do decide to go beyond the designated number of frames, go slow. When you hit the resistance, stop. No. Rewind. You can finish the stroke or the advance when you open the camera up. This seems really quite very common to all of us sitting here at the table but let's we have a lot of people who are beginners and yes. as he thought he's trying to narrow it down was it the film mm -hmm. he he cameras today if you get a used camera they do not come with a manual maybe you don't mm -hmm. read it maybe you don't care anyway problem solved just simply stop when yeah. it snugs up don't be too cocky. Snugs up. Don't get up. too cocky. <laughs> yeah. And rewind it, and you'll be just fine. You'll get a few frames. That last one's probably going to be a half, but it's better than tearing it off the end of the cassette. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's me, John Link. I gave you he a roll that I had to go into the bathroom and take out of the camera and what? put it in the film. Yeah, yeah, oh. to put it in a black can. Let's put it in a black can because yeah. it was stoops. Yeah. But you know what? I really, really appreciate this um, patient not blaming it. Blaming he he it did not blame it on a bad cassette or bad film. Yeah. Yes. He thought about it a little bit. The it's old, a couple different brands, probably yeah. me. Leslie and so. I feel so many letters. The old blame game. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. Number yeah, one. Yeah, number, number one. Oh, one. Film has it's a film. Film that you sold me is light, bad. Light leaked. Number two. Oh, the lab yeah, messed the up. screwed it up. Lab screwed it up. <laughs> there is no number three. There are, when we were talking about, especially with the different kinds of cameras that people might have and not have experience with them, some cameras, like I think it was the Argus C3 are that way. They, they're so hard sometimes <laughs> to turn anyways, and people may not realize <laughs> that they've stripped the film right off the end of the, or, or uh, ripped geez. it. Sometimes you'll actually have it rip. Yeah, but you'll the, tear it, yeah. But the other thing that happens is that they sometimes they forget to push in 
the rewind button and re- go to rewind it, and then they rip the film again. They just tear the sprocket holes out yeah. usually. Yeah. yeah, I find that happens with with uh, old Soviet cameras. Like something about their gear ratios are so harsh that I just shred the sprockets out of film if I'm using old Kiev <laughs> SLRs. So I always have to be careful with. Is that it? That's it. Okay, this just in from Instagram. Really, like it just came in. Okay. For the doctor. Really. From Jennifer Fraloweber. Is that where that was? I think I, I think she may have asked me that. I'm not sure. And then I thought it was. Hi, it says, "Hi guys, I received a gift anyway. of, I received a gift of Cotolith Ortho Film five six five five six ISO six. Yep. And just finished shooting it. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on how I can develop it with either HC one ten or D seventy six? Boy, that film oh, was. Here's the film. Uh, oh, I know what it is. I've shot miles yeah. of that. Miles of it. It's a high uh, contrast film. And yeah, it's black and white, no grays. If you shoot it ASA with, of about three. Yeah. Uh, maybe six. I shot it at three, and I developed it in Codalith Developer. Well, she doesn't have that. She doesn't have that. And so, actually... Send it to uh, Leslie. Uh, no. I would have to probably Joking. research it a little bit first to give her some times on those films. Yeah, but we don't have time for that. This is Instagram. I, I would... I don't care. <laughs> I don't have the answer. I'm not going to lie to her. Mike? Are you, experience, experience, are, you, are you the doctor? It's not taking No, I'm not the doctor. I'm just saying that in my experience, <laughs> since it's a high contrast yeah. film, if you gave it... You want to tone down the contrast as much as possible. Yes. Probably D76 and diluted it to like one... To six, and gave it like a long stand, like a long development so time. It might, it might do the job. You know what's crazy? I was just looking up because uh, I've I've done some this crazy super high contrast ortho film that I used one time, mm-hmm. and I was looking at how I developed it, and it came out really great. And it's black or white <clears throat> film. There's just right. no gray to no gray. it. I did D seventy six for sixty seconds, <laughs> and it came out amazing. Sixty seconds. Oh, wow. Sixty seconds. D seventy six stock for sixty seconds. I would, because that's the way well, I do things. But let's say let's say this is an emergency <laughs> situation. You don't have time to research as a doctor on the spot. I think I'd probably. She said she had HC one ten. Yep. Doctor, the, we're losing the patient. <laughs> Beep. I have to send you to a specialist. Beep. Excuse me. Is your have we scanned your insurance card yet? Put her into a medically induced yeah. coma uh, while we actually, do some research. Yeah, exactly. I would probably go D seventy six and dilute it, like one part D seventy six, maybe two parts water, just to get it knocked down a little bit. And my my first round would be probably a short time, like five or six minutes, mm. but diluted. Full strength, sixty seconds done. People come to us to want definitive answers. There's really no definitive <laughs> yeah. answer. There you go. I mean, it's your film. It's kind of like you have to give it a shot. And just hope for the best. Do you have any? No. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. You don't have to hope for the best. Okay. Oh. Clip test it. Who's going to do that? Me. That's smart. I'll clip test it. If there's something that's kind of important, Ah, I'm willing to cut through one frame to narrow down my developing time. Fantastic idea. Mm -hmm. Clip test. I've got a bunch of Orwell film for my dad. It's from the 70s and 80s, so I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to clip it, see what an actual ISO now is, and, and then actually shoot it. Because the 120 is that the sticker that's holding the film to the paper is ripping off every time I try to roll in there. So you're saying... See, at one point, she didn't tell she, us the questions would start. What did you shoot this at? What speed? ISO 6. Oh, she said 6. Yep. Okay. Mm. Okay, I have some it answers is not go- It is not going to take a long... Okay. How about I just tell her I have no idea? I don't know. You see, that wouldn't work well because name? Yo, name is J- Jenny. I don't know Jenny. Oh, God. What do we okay. do? Okay. Someone shot Codalith, which is the ortho film. HC 110 at one, at one, at one to 100, I think. 
for 15 to 20 minutes at 20C. That recipe came from Mark Casino. And that's um, a, considered a stand development, and a stand development is a compensating development, mm-hmm. which works very well for high-contrast film. I hesitated to recommend it because I didn't know the dilution, typical dilutions, one to one part developer to 125 parts water for an hour. She had HC110 and yeah. 276. I would go with the HC110. Yes. HC110. Yes. Um, one part developer. One part developer. Yep. 125 parts water. Wait a minute. You guys shut up. <laughs> one part developer mm-hmm. to... One... Add 125 parts water. To 125? How many did they do? 1 to 50? They won 100, I think. A one to, mm, that's, that's road and all. I do like 1 to 117. <laughs> Go 1 to 100. 1 to 100 yep. so parts one, water. Yep. Um, and 1 hour developing time. No, come on, for real. What? What did they do? An, An hour? hour? 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, to 20 it's, one really? to, it's 1 to 100, of course. Let's face it, we really don't know. Yeah. Do we? Oh. That's ten times. You're going to get something. You know what? It is shorter. That's ten times H-C-1 more diluted than your regular dilution. So it's ten H-C-1 times longer time. Tell her yeah. you don't know. H C one ten over road knock. Then they call stupid. She has H C one ten, so that would be say I don't know. A good thing. Dip in the H C one ten syrup. Three seconds. Fifteen done. twenty minutes. We'll leave her right there. You want to yeah. say stand, which means one agitation. Leave it set for the rest of the twenty minutes. Good luck. Is that a bad way? Bad thing to do. P.S. Mark says, tell her to do a clip test. Best of luck. Right? I'll put a smiley face. That always is good. Uh, Doc, there's an email from a gentleman who sent us, like, his negative strips. I guess he's waiting for you to get back to him. Mm -hmm. And he sent a nudge today. Did he? It's like, so, you know, one one of the... I'll talk to him tonight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Good to know if you do email uh, FPP or Leslie, Leslie at filmphotographyproject.com, this is not like you know. It's not our day jobs. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like it but. takes time. It could take a few days for us to respond. You know, when you send like yeah. a picture of your like to troubleshoot. I'm gonna drop everything just to take care of. Something. We're not like got a lot of balls in the air right now. Right. Just gotta get in the queue. <laughs> okay. When it's we amazing. come back, <laughs> <laughs> doctor, can you please look at this man. <laughs> you look exhausted. You sure you're okay? Yeah, I just didn't sleep well last night. I'm good. Okay. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> now he's dying. He didn't get any sleep. Now he's dying. He's I don't right know. To it, huh? You got no sleep last night? I thought you stopped over. I did. I just didn't sleep well. Oh, with the bed was filled with ants. <laughs> no, it just it had pillows that appeared to be fluffy, and then you put your head on them, and you just sink to the bottom. Oh. There's nothing there. Buckshot. I went to California in 85 with Trackman, TC, all these guys, who checked into a hotel, Ants. Yeah. I sat up the whole night oh on the edge of the bed God. like a lunatic. Such a freak. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to cut you into small pieces and take you away, Mike. What, do you thought you were going to wake up and find all your friends eaten by ants? You oh. slept in the Probably running shower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, and they have a movie studio there. Yeah. And I was hired to be an extra for a TV movie about um, Margaret Mitchell. Okay. Who wrote Gone with Gone the Wind. Uh-huh. And they decided to do this scene. I'm a violinist. And they decided to do the scene out, outside of this big plantation house where they put out a parquet floor. And they got a dancing, so they wanted a little orchestra to play. So I'm sitting out there in a bleached, you know, like this bleached shirt that's so bleached that I could knock on it. And this old-timey tuxedo and everything. And they put the orchestra in the, in the middle of a fire ant hill. 
Oh, no oh, way. And we had to sit there, and every time I kept looking down, I saw fire. And oh, all my around God. My and so the, the good news was that the shot was a circular shot around this couple that was dancing. So was, every once in a while, you just saw a blur of us sort of moving. Was, so when was you saw it, the camera pass by, you could start killing Yeah, as soon as the camera moved away, we're all doing Holy crap. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah, it was worth it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that wasn't the only shot. That was that day was pretty miserable, but there were other shots that were inside that were quite uh. When we come back, Mark Delzell is going to talk about... Uh, Something. That, the thing there with the guy. Camera repairman. Oh, yeah, that guy. Camera repairman. If only this night could last our time alone when much too fast. Kodakolor VR1000 film. So fast you don't need a flash to capture the magic between dusk and dawn. There's so much I want to tell you. I won't even begin to try. Just tell me why must time go? Kodak Film, because time goes by. Hey, we're back. Hey, Mark Dalzell, I received an email recently from a woman somewhere in Bergen County, is it? New yeah, Jersey? North Bergen. And uh, I passed it along to Mark. She, she said her dad ran a camera repair shop, and he passed, and would we want... The, the parts and this is right up Mark Dalzell's Mark alley. Is like, parts is parts. Parts so is parts. I was like, so heck I, yeah, dirt is dirt. So and I said to Mark, I'm like, when you go, can you like you know relay your experience? Who was this man? What did he do? Was he well known? Take it away, Mark. Well, he was, and it turns out because in the original email she said, "Oh, my father had had a camera repair place in North Bergen for years," and her email, the name in her email address looked familiar. And I said, "Oh, was that the place that was right by the uh, the Coach House Diner in North Bergen?" She said, "Yeah." And it turns out I had I used to go there, um, and I, his name was Roman. And I, I had I bought cameras from him, and he had actually fixed a couple of cameras for me at one point, coincidentally. And when I was there six or seven years ago, he had this maybe, I don't know, 500-square-foot shop that had about 10 workstations at. And he was just there himself fixing stuff. But the place was just piled with boxes of ripped-apart cameras and parts and just stuff everywhere. And I was talking about it. He said in the late 80s, he had nine full-time repair guys working there. 40 hours a week just fixing cameras. Wow. Like, it was Holy such a huge geez. business for him, but it had just gotten down to him. And then it turns out about five years ago, he had moved out of that location. And it turns out he just lived right around the corner, which I didn't realize. So uh, I went down last Sunday to what had been his house just around the corner, and he had moved his entire business into his basement. It was amazing. <laughs> he had this probably 60-foot-long hallway in his basement that was lined on both sides with filing cabinets and these drawer units and he was such a meticulous I'm going to find a picture of it he was such a meticulous labeler and storer of everything so here's here's a picture of one of the oh my one of the sets of drawers that he had and if you zoom in the drawers large wrench small wrench box wrench small box wrenches he had drawers that just had rolls of tape in them Hmm. so I started pulling all these drawers out because there would be a drawer that would say Minolta X700 and I would pull it out and it would just be like a hundred Minolta X700 shutter boxes and then I would pull out drawer next to it and it was just a hundred Minolta X700 body tops just the, the amount of stuff he saved over the decades that he was doing this was incredible and then in his office he had all these big shelving units that had these little cardboard boxes on each one was labeled what camera was inside and when you opened it there was it was like a scrapyard of all these incredible cameras that he had been using for parts over the decades 
So he had plenty, again, X700s, which is a popular one, um, plenty of old Nikon cameras and Pentaxes and whatever, and you would open it up and there would be a camera in some stage of looks good, all the way down to stripped husk mm. uh, that he would save these parts off of. So, yeah, I went through and I, I packed up my car full of fascinating old cameras and tools and some some pretty amazing stuff. How did you decide what to take, what not, not to take? How did you cart it out? Did you have little plastic bags? You're always going with the logistics, the logistical questions. That's okay. good. She loaned me a little hand cart. Oh. But I had to give it back at the end. I, I try. At first, I felt, I just kind of felt weird, just like, like, can I, what about this thing? She's like, yeah, take it. I'm like, well, what about she this just thing to get here? Rid of it. She's like, yeah, yeah, just take it. And eventually, I'm just like, like, sweeping my arm across a shelf into the cardboard box. I'm like, I'll just take all of these. Like, oh, here's you know, 20 of these lens wrenches. Let me just take all 20 lens wrenches. Like, you know, it's because it was all getting tossed anyway. And it's a lot of stuff that we could definitely use. But he had these beautiful, like, plastic uh, parts boxes. And, you know, again, anytime he would take apart a certain camera, he had one of these parts boxes for each camera. So I have a box that says Canon A1. And one compartment is just a stack of rewind levers or you know every screw that was ever in an a1 or every little spring or every wire every capacitor he would snip it all apart and save it so i have i must have gotten 20 or 30 of these parts drawers these parts containers that have every piece you would need to fix a nikon f2 you know an x700 a pentax k1000 like it's amazing and then he had about six full-size filing cabinets packed full of service manuals so oh. I, I couldn't take all of them, but I went through, like here, I, I brought this one today, but this was the file folder for the, the Nikon F3. So it's a series of technical manuals, uh, service manuals, parts lists, everything you could possibly want from Nikon. If you, if you needed to build an F3 from scratch on a desert island, here's how you would do it. Hmm. So I, I, I got as much as I could. Basically, every Nikon SLR that I use, all the Minoltas, the Minolta Maxims. Are you going to start a Kickstarter for Dalzell D3 camera? And build it from scratch. <laughs> a combination of the X700 and the F3 and the, the Franken camera. The, now, how will you organize all these parts now that you have them at the Dalzell Mance? Yeah, now what? <laughs> like, yeah, how? That was yeah, that was the tough part because <clears throat> I brought it all to my store and I kind of spread it out. I'm like, well, what do I do with it now? So I separated out everything that was specifically camera-related tools. That I'm going to take all to the studio, which is where I usually fix most of the cameras. But that way, now if we get a, you know, if we get a whatever in a Minolta X370 that or you know a, a, the Minolta SRT201s is a good example and the rewind knob is always snapped off of those now I have a whole bucket full of that exact rewind lever so you know we'll be able to actually fix cameras I must have gotten a hundred lenses which I brought almost all of them here for you today so all kinds of great autofocus manual focus prime lenses for Minolta Canon Nikon Pentax whatever. They're working lenses or they're broken lenses? They all seem like they're perfectly well working. We'll have to test them to be sure. There were some that were obviously broken and those I didn't bring, but these all looked great. And they were all, each one was wrapped up in a plastic bag with a little paper label on the outside listing exactly what the lens was. Like, he was so meticulous with his stuff. And then, even in the broken cameras, oh, you'll appreciate this. So, he had all these broken cameras and boxes he was using for parts. And my thinking was, okay, this is a guy who fixed cameras for decades. He is a master camera repair guy. If it's in this box, I, there's no way I'm going to fix it. So I grabbed a couple thinking, well, at least I can take pictures of them for the, you know, from the, for the camera wiki or for historic camera, and then toss the body. But one of the cameras I got was a, a Pentax K1000, the special edition one in the brown leather, which I don't have a working one. And I tried, to, I tried to work it, and it was just completely seized up. 
and I banged it on my bench five times, and it came back to life. So I got a working K1000 SE. Do you think he did that? I de- he definitely didn't because he goes by that you know first do no violence. Yeah. But uh, five good bangs on the wood bench, and it came back to life. Yeah, there was some amazing stuff. So yeah, I, I took as much as I could think I could ever use. But what was the name of his shop when it was? I forget. It was. I think it was called Roman Camera Repair or something. Like I just remember his name, Roman. Right. But it was a little tiny. Like in a, in a good way, hole in the wall kind of a place with a little awning, and it looked completely, uh, you, you know, you wouldn't even know what it was from from the street. Except right. I happened to see the words camera repair, and I thought, oh, it's probably just digital. But I poked my head in one day. I think the door was locked, and I knocked, and he came and unlocked the door and let oh. me in. And it was like, oh my god, it was just. I have a Mamiya C three thirty that I bought from him that was just sitting on a counter. He's like, ah, yeah, you can have it, fifty bucks. So yeah, he just had all kinds of crazy stuff. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, sure. When we come back, Joby's going to be talking about what? Tubes. Oh, that's right. Tubes. Tubes. We'll be right back. Here's one of the greatest little gadgets a camera fan can own. The battery test light that checks your flash batteries to make sure there's enough power to set off your flash bulb. Before you load film into your camera, put the battery test light in the reflector and click the shutter. That bright glow of light tells you your flash equipment's as dependable as your GE flash bulbs. It means no more missing those once-in-a-lifetime pictures because your flash gun batteries are dead. And here's what does it. A GE battery test light. And it's yours free when you buy a dozen GE flash bulbs. Either number fives or Powermite M2s. Just look for these displays at the camera corner of your favorite store. Get your GE flash bulbs and reach for your GE battery test light. And remember, it's free when you buy a dozen GE flash bulbs. So get yours in a hurry while they last. Hey, we're back. Uh, Mr. Joseph Brunges, a.k.a. Joby, is going to talk about tubes. tubes. All right, so uh, when I first got into large format photography, I started shooting 4x5. And, oh, oh sorry, they squeak a little bit. Oh, squeaky tubes. The first way I developed the film was by using a Patterson tank and a um, Mod 4.5, or 5.4, actually, so it's English. I enjoyed that very much. I didn't always get even results. The original version had flow lines sometimes you get in it, and then they made a a newer version of it that I had trouble loading the film with because it was a little more curved, and I'd gotten so used to the tactile sense of the the one that was a little bit sharper. I finally got a hold of my favorite film that I've been shooting in 35 and medium format, which was the Rolly RPX 25. This film in 4x5 has got to be the thinnest film ever made. I mean, as you would call it, wafer thin. Ah, good afternoon, sir, and how are we today? Better. Better? Better get a bucket. I'm going to throw up. Oh, yes. Wafer thin. A wafer thin meat. Oh, sir, it's only a tiny little thin one. I'm full. Oh, sir. It's only a wafer thing. Oh, yes. Wafer thin. In fact, it's so sometimes poorly kind of boxed and everything that its notch code is just a single V, and half the time it's not there. Or it's so, like, or just barely nicked, and you really have to feel it in the dark to even find which side is the right side of the film. But I've inadvertently loaded two sheets at a time, done all kinds of things with it just because it's so thin. It's, it's very difficult to tray develop, tray develop, and it'll never go into Mod 5 4 take. I mean, just. I had the hardest time trying to get it in there just because it's so thin and hard to work with. So I looked around for another solution, and then I came across these things called BTZS tubes. BTZS st- stands for Beyond the Zone System. Mm-mm. Isn't it better than the zone system? No. It's, it's, <laughs> no, no. I thought no. what it was. The system was the okay. title of a book which was written by um, Phil Davis. Okay. And it wasn't meant to say that 
it's not trying to say that Ansel Adams' phone system is anything wrong with it, but he what they were trying to do was come with, with math, mathematical <clears throat> numbers for everything as far as exposure values and things, as opposed to looking at something going, oh, I think that's in zone four. You know, like they wanted to have it be more scientific. <laughs> and what's nice about you don't have to know about any of this to, to use these tubes, by the way. The, the tubes, what's great about them is that each tube, uh, I'm holding the 4x5 one now, each tube holds one sheet. And w the way they work is that you pour only two ounces of developer for each tube for 4x5, which is great because it's very minimal on use of developer. Once each of your tubes are filled, uh, the tubes are upside down so the caps hold the developer so the film is, is loaded you can load them all in the light. I'm sorry, load them all in the dark. And then you can process them in the light. And once you've got them all, the, the caps all filled with developer, you shake them up. Then you put them in a water bath and spin them during the development time. Development times are shorter when you do rotary processes because it's constant agitation as opposed to frequent you know, frequent agitation like we do in a, in a tank. So you cut, cut down on the development time and you get very even results because the tube is constantly being rotated and it's randomly being bobbed up and down in the water bath. And you can keep the temperature of the, the whole thing Basically the same if your water bath is tempered to the temperature of your developer. So you roll these around, you can, for the 4x5 you can do up to, I've been able to do six at a time, and you learn this technique of spinning two against each other with your fingers and kind of going back and forth. These are sold by a guy in, 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 on a website called the View Camera Store. I think it's run, it's run by Fred Newman, and he has videos on how to do all these. When I sat and watched his first video, I nearly gasped because he turns the lights on after he puts the film in the stop bath, once once you've developed the film, you take off, you unscrew the cap, and then you put the cap, put the the, the base that has the film in it in a um, tray of stop bath and just roll it around so the stop bath touches it. Then he turns the lights on. I freak out and go, "You fogged your film!" And he goes, "No, this is perfectly normal. Once people just don't realize that once you've." stop the film that it's actually not very light sensitive and I was I still when I when I did it I kept the lights off until I hit the, the fixer mm -hmm. for several minutes uh, until one day again RPX 25 I thought I'd pulled all the sheets out of the out of the, the tubes turned the lights on and I started counting my sheets and I only had five I went uh-oh and I look in this in the stop by and realize I look you know hold it up in the light oh there's another sheet in there uh, crap you know so I <laughs> cut the lights off real quick and I put it in the fixer and it was a it was a duplicate shot that I shot with another sh sheet that it had actually gotten processed in the dark. I can't tell the difference between them. So I was really surprised that that actually was possible. You're a believer um, now. I am a believer. I said, well, if that works for 4x5, I wonder what the 8x10 ones are like. So this is an 8x10 tube. It takes 8 ounces of developer per sheet, which still is, is not very much at all. If you think of trade development for, for 8x10, that's a lot of liquid that you're going through. And let's say you only want to develop one sheet at a time. Like you have a hurry, you shot some shot and you need to see it immediately, you can develop it quickly. The other nice thing about the tubes is that you can develop each film with its own developer. You can develop each sheet with its own time. You can vary all these things. So you can, if you were doing, like you were talking about clip tests earlier, if you're doing something where you want to test the film out and see what its speed is or try out different developers or try out different developing times, you can do all that in one go rather than having to combine it all into a tank and do it all at once as a group. So it's kind of keeping your eggs out of one basket. Uh, the 8x10 ones aren't quite as, for me, aren't quite as nice as the 4x5s because they have these ridges on the outside. 
And when I'm trying to spin them in order, they stop. So I can't actually mm. do six of these at once. I can only do four because I'm trying to spin them. And because of these edges, it's grabbing the water and just kind of coming to grinding to a halt. So I've just recently gotten an 11 by 14. So I thought, I want to try 11 by 14 in tubes. What do I do? Well, what do you do? <gasps> oh, get out of town. Get yourself a four inch PVC pipe and make yourself your own tube. Now, what would be, I'll, I'll ask around, the table, what would be your first guess as the problem, what's the difference between this tube and all the other tubes? It's white. It's white, it's not white. white. <laughs> yes, because it's made of white PVC. So the first thing I did by accident was, I, usually when I'm working in the dark or something, I usually wear a headlamp so I could, that has a red light so I can turn it on very briefly and look around. And I, like an idiot, shine my head, red headlamp at this for about five minutes into the development and went, not for pressure. Yeah, not for pressure. So, so I, luckily I had taken some, you know, some test shots. These weren't important shots. I'm still, I think. So, the other thing that's, um, so it uses, gosh, about 800 milliliters of, of developer. I use D76 a lot of times, so it's really only 400 because I do one to one. It's a little more complicated because it's not this whole. We're kind of coercing PVC into a photographic process. So the the screwing on and off it takes a little more complicated. The the lid is flat so as i'm trying to screw it on it wobbles and stuff i've seen other people who've made little bases to kind of sit these in but technically i should be able to do at least two at a time maybe even three and for developing 11 by 14 that would be great i've got i've gotten pretty good results from doing it this way minus the one that i fogged it's really funny because when i did fog it you can see there's a strip on either end that isn't as fogged because of the extra ends there so the the tube tube you Went to Home Depot, got this. Yeah. So how did you seal it from fogging? What? Oh, I just left the lights off. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Hey, how about that? See, the nice, the other nice thing about the tubes is that, like, when you tray develop, you're stuck in the dark for, you know, 20 minutes or so. Um, with the tubes, you're only stuck in the dark for the time in which you take it from the developer and put it in the stop bath. Could you do a, use a mono bath? One, two, three, boom, forget about it? You could. I haven't, I have not tried a mono bath in a tube. That's where I'm heading with 11 by 14, but... Uh, you could use an agitator base with that 11 by 14. Yeah, you could. Well, that was like that's, a Cebrachrome or Premier or Bessler. Yeah, I would love. I mean, I I'd love to have a Jobo, but that's mm-hmm. you know thirty three thousand four hundred dollars or whatever. A Joby Jobo. Jeez. There is a company called Joby. You know, the photography company huh. called Joby. And the first time I saw that was at the PDN. Like the first oh. time, first time I went there, and I went. I had to take a picture with myself with the sign that had my name next to it. Joby Jobo. Yeah. Joby Jobo. Yeah. I find that the, the, the tubes are kind of fun. I mean, it feels like, you know, one of the reasons I shoot film and, and do the wet plate and all these other things is because I like the sense of doing it with my hands, feeling like it's a craft, like I'm doing something. And just having that extra activity of, of agitating constantly makes you feel like you're really part of the process and, and you're influencing the outcome even more. Uh, but I, I've got nothing but really, really clean results from tubes. Never had any scratches, never had any uneven development. A few years back, I was at an estate sale. This guy in Ann Arbor, his name was Stanley Livingston, and he. Was I presume. A, yeah, well, <laughs> and in the basement of his house, they had all these tubes for BTZ tubes, yep. BTZ tubes for, tubes for sale, and I think I paid a buck each for the four by five, and about two bucks for the eight by tens, and I took them to photos, and I I was. I decided eventually I wasn't going to do any large format. So I took them to Photostock uh, a couple of years ago, 
And I think I sold them for next to nothing. <gasps> Everyone got them. So they're happy. I just sold Thanks, my set Mark. of four Great by story. fives. So, but now I have another story for you. A friend of mine, I'm going through his. A lot of friends. I, I do. A friend of mine, I'm going through his estate of, of darkroom stuff, and he has a big Jobo. It's got the tanks in it for doing sheet film. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in that for free? Hell yes. Okay. Talk to me later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be great. Uh, I wrote down kind of like pros and cons for, for two developing just because, you know, there's so many. We've got all the – what the other neat thing about 4x5 lately is we've had all these different people on uh, Kickstarter or all these um, crowdfunding type things where they're coming up with these ways to develop sheet film in a, either a daylight way or just a faster, more compact way like the Stearman Press stuff. And I just think it's great for everyone to know that this is another option. Um, you could do this in a bathtub really mm. easily. The, the, the cons, I've talked about most of the pros. The cons really is that the prep time takes longer. I mean, you have to fill each little, you, you pour, you get your developer ready, and then you have to fill each little tube, each little cap with the developer, and then you have to load the film into each base and put, it comes with two sets of caps. So you have a dry cap and a, and a wet cap. And you, um, you load the film into the tubes with the dry cap, close it up, and then get your developer ready, and then individually you know, screw them on. So that just adds more time to your overall you know, development process. But uh, the, the, the results are definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. Yes? The, how did you know about going to Home Depot? Did you, like, ape another photographer that you, you saw it online somewhere? And you're like, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, uh, there's a photographer named Tim, Tim Layton. Oh, Tim yeah. Layton. Dark room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I basically Googled 11 by 14 BTS, BTZS2, and his website came up with, um, he, I think he used electrical conduit, which is a darker gray. Um, I don't know if his was completely light tight or not, but he seemed, he had to, I think he had to order it specifically, like my local Home Depot isn't going to have anything that thick or that big. Oh, yeah. Tim Layton. So how come you didn't spray paint that mofo black? <laughs> This one, with, like with the Fusion 2000, sticks to everything. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I just because my dark room was actually dark. I, I just thought, well, I'll just. Uh, really, I literally finished this two days ago oh, or three days okay. ago. So okay. it's still early days. <clears throat> this is prototype B and prototype A had some scra- had some scuffing around the top. Right. And I hadn't sanded it down, and it just scratched the bejesus oh. out of the first sheet I put through it. Luckily, that was the one that I fogged, so it was already a goner. Right. <laughs> so I screwed it. I mean, that's the thing with sheet film. I mean, there's so many ways to screw up from beginning to end, and uh, the development is not any less dangerous than any other part of it. Okay. I mean, this is pretty cool. Tubes and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know. Interesting you, fact, Mike. The yes. Tubes is also the name of a rock band. Yes, that's true. So, uh, Mr. Joby, can you tell us a little bit before we, we have to sign off soon? Uh, we have, uh, by the way, uh, we pulled a box of cameras for you to bring. Sweet. Oh, you want to hear about Salty? Yeah, can you tell us about um, where the FPP is donating cameras to uh, Joby's uh, school where you teach? And it's called the Sawtooth. Oh, the Sawtooth School for Visual Art. And it's just located. one art, not arts? Uh, for <laughs> art singular? Art. For visual art. Okay. I believe that's the One and guy. We packed uh, SLRs, right? Yes. Like EOS so. type? Please so. Yeah. Okay. Do. You don't shoot Nikon, right? Uh, I can. I mean, Do I, you? No, not. No, I am not. I'm not a member of the Nikon Mafia. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I started with a digital Canon and just kind of been shooting Canon. I have my, you know, Canon 1V that I shoot a lot with. The Sawtooth Schools for visual art is a... 
Uh, it's located in downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and it serves, it's, it's kind of uniquely located it's in this building. It's called the Sawtooth Center because it's in a building, an old textile building that had a, a V cut, I mean, a, a sawtooth cut ceiling with windows because it was built at a time when there wasn't a lot of electricity yet. So it was a way to, you know, include more light in the oh. building without having to have it. Uh, has, it's one of the few schools still in North Carolina that has a wet darkroom. And I'm teaching there now, teaching wet plate collodion and uh, large format photography. But uh, the director, we have a department chair named Jessie Teft, and she's fantastic. She's incredibly, uh, she promotes our side of the, you know, photog- there's still, there's a whole digital side to photography. She, she runs all that. But she's also incredibly supportive of what the darkroom does and wants to keep the darkroom alive and keep it going. Um, our assistant, assistant department chair's name is D- Dave Delaney. Dave Delaney. <laughs> D- Dave Delaney. Dave Delaney. <laughs> Dave's father worked for Kodak, and he grew up in a dark room, kind of like I did. So we have similar stories, and so he's an ex- incredible teacher. Um, he runs the dark room along with uh, another teacher named Bill Dent. Bill Dent. Yes. <laughs> and they, uh, they. Um, they run. They have uh, multiple darkroom classes where they do, you know, all kinds of. Uh, it's all silver gelatin, basically. But we're we're, t- you know, working on adding some alternative processes like the wet plate collodion and some mm. other things. Uh, the the cameras we asked for were for a summer intensive arts program for 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 um, rising sophomores and juniors. No, sorry, juniors and seniors. It's an intensive two weeks arts program for kids who are interested in majoring in art when they go to college. So they get immersed in, they get to choose uh, like a morning class and an, even, and an afternoon class of all these different kinds of visual arts and photography is one of them. We're doing, I think, wet darkroom the first week and then maybe some wet plate stuff the second week. I can't remember what we agreed to, but it's, it's uh, the, the cameras are going to be put to great use. Oh, excellent. Use, and there's, an, uh, there's also adult classes and things that these cameras will be used for. So it's, we're very thankful that you guys could donate them because it's, you know how it is. It's yeah. Hard. It's hard to get your hands. Hard to convince a program that we need to get more, and then uh, or do they work? Where they come from? To, you know, it's nice to have ones that not, not only you know you get cameras, but ones that have been tested, yeah, and proven by you guys. I mean, uh, I don't think it's been said enough. The service that you guys do for uh, the schools that you're do- donating these cameras to it's 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 really a blessing because it's. Um, it's difficult, you know. I mean, I I've been surprised by the cost of cameras these days. I mean, the prices on eBay has gone crazy. I mean, my my camera Canon One V I think I got for three hundred dollars back when I bought it years ago, and so I looked before coming here. I, I was looking on eBay, and they're five six hundred dollars now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It doubled in price because you know Canon discontinued them, so finally discontinued them in eight, 2018. So I guess I gave everybody an excuse to go bump it up a notch, you know. But I can imagine a program that's that's already saying why is why are we still teaching film photography? That's not done very much anymore. What to trying to justify you know getting cameras and even just use cameras? Oh, these might not even keep working. You know how do we know these are in good? You just bought this off eBay, blah blah blah. So it's having having um, having cameras that have been checked out by you guys is, is just great. I mean I have no doubt they're going to work for many many years, and and the kids that use them will be very grateful. We're that's what we do, and we're thrilled to pass it along. So, um, (laughs) 
That is all. Ah. Yep. That's it. Well, thank you, Joby. Thank you. Time to hit the rickety road, Mike. It is. Are you going to be able to like drive, or are you going to like? No, I, I, I'm driving back to Pennsylvania, so I've got a hour and a half. Now, what if you drive back to Pennsylvania and you check into a hotel and you can't sleep again? It means you will get no sleep for two days. Well, I don't have to be home in a hurry on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn. I can. Now, how come you didn't sleep last night? You were just nervous. Uh, ants. <laughs> excited. <laughs> More than nervous. No, it's just the the. I usually bring my own pillow. Oh. And, and so the the pillows at this particular hotel were just, it was like air in them. I mean, you put your head in it and you just fall straight through. Oh, I love those. No. And it's like you have no, you you know, Princess so. Leia earmuffs <laughs> yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. There's nothing supporting your head, but you have all this stuff around your head. And just... A bad pillow can really screw you up. Sure. It did screw up Joby. My, uh, my wife, we changed the sheets, and I got her pillow for some reason, but I went to bed like at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I put my head down it, and it just sank. I'm like, shit. She has one of my pillows, but she was already passed out. I'm not going to start pulling pillows out from under her head at 1 o'clock in the morning. So I just suffered that night, and the next morning I woke up, my neck hurt. I didn't sleep well. It's awful. Mm. I was at a... um at a this is Pillow Talk. Yes. <laughs> with Mike or- Rasso and With me podcast. At an uh, all-state orchestra um, workshop in North Carolina. And we had the room on. We had to sleep two to a bed. So I was on this bed with this other guy. Mm. And he, in his sleep, he was like dream oh, sleeping. Geez. And he pulled my pillow like oh, away Jesus. from me. Oh, okay. And put it under his own head. Oh, no way. <laughs> so, so I reached over. No pillow. And I grabbed it so fast that, that his head was still in the air. <laughs> and then it <laughs> nice. And then it fell a second later. Did he have any recall of that? Oh no, not at all. Oh my god, that's awesome. And that's when he stabbed me with his <laughs> baton, with his shaft. So I buried him where we buried Dwayne. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> the plot's getting very well used. No. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Oh uh, yeah. Mark D, you okay? I'm great. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, Joby, thank you for taking the trip up to see us. Yeah, thank you again for having me. This has been uh, extraordinary, and uh, it's always great to have you, and I hope we can get you back up here again sometime soon. Thrilled about the sawtooth, about the, ch- you know, the children and the adults. How Gordon. many cameras did you send over there? How many cameras did you send? I think it was five or 6,000. Yeah. Yeah. What? Whoa. No. Get out of here. Five or six yeah. we, ours. We, well, we bumped it up, you know, just for the... Oh, great. You know, someone gets in there and oh, the camera, the battery's dead. It's okay. I got another one here. You're back out in business. See, so you're covered. Now, did you you're need covered. debonairs as well? Debonair? Um, not yet. Okay, good. Not yet. Right. There was, That's right. There was talk about having a lomography type class, mm-hmm. and I wanted to use debonairs for that. But we might wait. <laughs> We're, the summer there, the classes, people get a little more wishy-washy over the summer. So we're going to put that off until the fall where we get people a little more serious about it. Okay, great, great. Um, I want everyone to get out there and grab a film camera, grab a Super 8 camera, grab a regular 8 camera, mm-hmm. shoot moving moving pictures, shoot still pictures. All the pictures you can shoot. Right. So 110, like 110, 120, 620, 11 by 16, 120, 120 11 by 14, whatever it takes. 4 by 5, 16 by 20, 8 oh, by 10, 6 called? by 17. Oh, we'll talk about that next show. Next okay. show. We'll see you. Every day. I think about you every day Anywhere I know you could be anywhere And yesterday I thought I saw Your face again 